Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Rank Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast back for another week in the January transfer window where the news and the cycle never stops. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today. And joining me is our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. And obviously it's been a big week because on the Patreon on Monday, we announced Melon of the Year. Mm. Um, so if you didn't listen, you've you've all missed out. Uh, it was a spur of the moment decision, <laughs> but the melon of the year was a deserved deserved award, wasn't it? It was. It was. It was. It was good. It came out of, of nowhere. It was a little bit out of the blue, but here we are. We have a melon of the year. It's it's real good and would encourage anyone to go and listen to Monday's Patreon post box <laughs> to uh, to find out who got that coveted award and uh, well non-coveted award should we say uh, yes. but yeah I'm good mate you've been in Portugal how are you I have yeah it's been it's been very good I've had a nice time in Portugal I'm going to talk about it a bit in things we, we love I, I got to go to a game a very special game actually which was which was exciting switched for a different type of black and white uh, on this weekend but yeah it was, it was nice back home again got home late last night so back in the schedule um no rest for the wicked though I'm off to Liverpool tomorrow to go and see Fulham play at Anfield, which will be exciting. Off to the How are you getting there? The what are you doing? I'm getting a train up uh, midday tomorrow. So excited to go and see some of my friends on Merseyside and, and to, to hopefully watch Fulham pull off a shock in the Carabao Cup. Who knows what might mm-hmm. be possible. And then, yeah, got a couple of busy weeks as well. So I'm excited, but lots of, lots to get on with and, and lots of football being played as well, especially in the Cups. Uh, we're going to get on to things we love. But before we do, I thought it would be remiss uh, not to mention 
that Franz Beckenbauer died earlier this week. One of the legends, maybe the legend of German football, one of the greatest footballers, I think, to ever have walked the planet and definitely someone who completely redefined and revolutionised, if not just his position, then the entire game as a whole. There aren't many people who went on and won the World Cup as both a player and a manager. We've lost two of them in the space of the week in Zagallo and Beckenbauer, which has been very, very sad. I imagine Didier Deschamps is slightly worried about things at the moment. But yeah, Beckenbauer, truly a revolutionary and, and a real loss for, for Bayern Munich, for German football and for football as a whole. So I thought it would be, no, I thought it would be important to mention um, that, yeah. that football lost one of its icons this week and uh, thoughts and prayers with, with everyone associated with Der Kaiser, with the clubs and, and also with his family as well. So uh, one, of, one of the all-time greats. And with that, we yeah. should probably move on to things we love. Yeah, things we love. I mean, Beckenbauer had those uh, Adidas boots named after him, didn't he? Uh, this player's got quite a long way to go before he can reach those sort of heights. But I That's have to say, segue that. <laughs> I am pleased for Jaden Sancho right now. Jaden Sancho would have continued the rise that he once had as a kid. Then who knows what the ceiling would have been on his life and his career. As it is, he spent the last four months at Man United kicking his heels because he wouldn't say sorry to Eric Ten Hag for something he'd stuck on social media. Absolutely ludicrous state of affairs, really, when you put it into context. But here we are. It looks like Jaden Sancho, as we record in this show, is getting the green light to go and travel to complete his move to Borussia Dortmund on loan. And I'm really pleased for him, Jack. I'm just really pleased. Like, from a the human perspective here, let Jaden Sancho go and play football in an environment that's going to make him happy again with fans that are going to wholly support him. And let's see if he can get his career back on track because it's crazy how this guy's fallen off a cliff. And he's got to take some of the blame. Of course he has. But some of it, I do feel like for him to come out in that initial statement and talk about being a scapegoat, he wouldn't have put, he wouldn't have said that. He wouldn't have come out with that lightly, would you? Against your own club if some some other factors weren't going on so I just hope this is a bit of a mental break from him as well as a, a physical um, opportunity for him to get back to playing football the way we know he can obviously Bundesliga does resume this week uh, after their winter pause so it'll be a fitting way to get things going again for Dortmund if Sancho is there in time um, they need a lift they're fifth in the Bundesliga um, they're a long way adrift at the moment of Bayer Leverkusen at the top. And the intention with Jadon Sancho is to find a player who can play in the wide areas and get at people. And that's all Jadon Sancho's ever wanted to do. He wants to get out there. He wants to run at people. He wants to do some tricks, set up some goals and score some goals. But at Man United, he hasn't been able to do that as much. And at Borussia Dortmund, they've got a lot of creative attacking players, but... In the style of Jadon Sancho, not so much. Jamie Bino-Gittens, I think, he's probably got that in him. But players like Donny Marlon not being able to shine because they're more of a support role to the forward rather than being that that wide boy, I guess, that, uh, that they're looking for right now. So, yeah, I'm excited about this moment for Jadon and definitely gives me an extra reason to start watching Dortmund games when it all gets going again. Yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be an interesting one to see how he slots back in, especially being out for so long and not having played first team football for, for such a period of time. 
Dortmund feel like they need an instant impact. But if they, you know, they buy this and they end up progressing in the Champions League, if they push themselves back into those Champions League positions, I think they'll see it as as money well spent and a, a risk worth taking because it does feel that there's a little bit of spark missing from Edin Terzic's side at the moment. And, and perhaps Sancho's return can be that spark. I always do say never go back, but yep. there are exceptions to this rule. And I think that this could be one of them. So let's yeah. see. Let's see yeah. how, how things work out. I, I, I'm with you. I hope it works out for Jaden because it's clearly been a difficult period for everyone involved. Yeah, exactly that, mate. Uh, and Ian Matson joining him as well on loan from Chelsea. So a bit of a, a new Dortmund look. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's going to be a, a lot of, of Premier League interest, I imagine, looking at that that team and looking at how they develop over the course of the mm. second half of this season. Um, I'm going to take us to Portugal for my things I love because I was at the Bessa on Friday night and I watched Porto draw one all against hosts. Bovista. It's the Derby Don Victor. It's the, the crosstown derby of Porto. And We've done a lot of work with Porto on this podcast through New Balance. We've spent a lot of time with them. We understand what the club's about. And in so many ways, they've kind of presented themselves, maybe not as in a rebel club, but very much an anti-establishment organization. And and you look at the history of the club and and what it stood for, especially during the 20th century, there was a lot of interesting bits about it. But there are some times where you look at Porto as that kind of upstart rebel. There are other times where they are clearly the dominant force. And it was a bit of a rude awakening in some ways to go to the Bessa. And Bovista are a local community, neighborhood club. They're a much smaller, much, well, less wealthy, especially right now, club than their crosstown rivals. And in some ways, this was a real victory for the underdog. It was one all. Porto took the lead in the first half. It was Evan Nielsen poked across. Tony Martinez scored his first goal in about four months. And considering the way the game had played out, it felt at that point that it was going to be one-way traffic. But it wasn't. Bovista equalized almost immediately. Bruno Lorenzo headed in uh, a free kick from Thiago Moraes. And it was actually a real nice spell for Boavish. So they had a header that dropped narrowly wide. Rob Berzenik, who was the best player of the pitch, especially in the first half, dragged a shot that the Diego Costa saved well down to his right-hand side. But I think more than the actual game, what struck me about this was the disparity between the two clubs. Porto packed one of the ends of the Bessa. It was absolutely full. It was absolutely bouncing. They were in great voice. The fans were absolutely incredible. And... It's a kind of real shock to the system sometimes when you see the difference between a big club coming to town and the smaller attendances that Boavista, well, had in their end, but also you'd see throughout the season. And in some ways, obviously, I was going to get on board with the idea of a smaller team in black and white punching upwards against their wealthy neighbours in blue who have a far more prestigious outlook. They're far more illustrious, et cetera, et cetera. And so therefore it was, it was nice to watch that play out in real time. But it really struck me because obviously there were Porto Ultras across it. There were flares, there were fireworks. There were, it, it was incredible, to be honest, as a, as a spectacle yeah. to watch. There was a big banner basically saying Invicta Azule Branco, which basically means Porto, which is, its nickname is the Invincible City, is blue and white. And at the other end of the stadium, the Boa Vista Ultras, the, uh, I think they're the Panteras Negras, were such smaller numbers. There was one bloke 
as the you know, Porto fans were obviously there early, they'd been shuttled in, they'd been shepherded in, they were making lots of noise. There was one guy with this massive flag sort of stood on his own. And I was like, wow, this is really sort of one man army on the microphone vibes. It's this one geezer standing against this complete end of blue and white flares everywhere with just this massive Boavista flag. And he's almost like, come on then, I'll take you alone. It was very much, <laughs> you know, for those of you who watch Game of Thrones, it was that Jon Snow moment as the army rides down upon him that's become a meme in, re- in, re- in regular times. So watching it and just seeing the response to the performance, to put some context on this, Boavista are... A broke probably doesn't do it justice. There are players not being paid. There are players being asked to go home and shower at home after the, after training because the water bills aren't being paid. The club is in a financial hole that's about as stark as I've seen. And for them to go out and put on the performance like this, it wasn't technically particularly brilliant. And, and that's doing it a service, to be honest. It was scrappy. It was at times when they got the ball, won the ball back. Yes, they had 10 men late on. They'd look up and they'd just whack the ball towards the corner flag and wait for Porto to come back to them. It was hanging on for dear life at times. But for a team that's not being paid, for a team who, you know, the stadium is half empty in a massive game, one of the biggest games of their season, and not being able to, to kind of pack it out, even against their local rivals, which have taken, I imagine, much of the support from across the city. Naturally, you know, the bigger clubs attract that, that's fine. But Boa Vista are one of, you know, very few clubs to have actually won the league. They did so in a a shock year of Portuguese football where they ended up topping the pyramid. It just felt like it was very David and Goliath. And David came out with a very, very credible point. And Boa Vista, you know, they were top of the table after four games this season. I think against all odds as opposed to anything else. But they've dropped down into mid-table. There's still that threat of, of relegation could not just be relegation from the top tier. It could be fatal for the club. I mean, I don't know if they're going to survive full stop, but it could be fundamentally fatal. So to win a point here in this kind of situation and the way that the two teams were received, the Porto fans, hands up, apologising to the Ultras. And Porto weren't good. They deserve criticism. And the, the criticism of the fans is, is well justified. They couldn't create enough. They didn't break down this Boavista side. But the response at the other end with the team, you know, doing a Viking clap in front of their own end. And it was just quite special, I think. And 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 to see a derby like that, which is different. It's not one of those derbies you go, wow, the atmosphere was absolutely electric from both sides from start to finish. But it felt very David and Goliath. And I was I was grateful to have witnessed it, especially at the Bessa. It was it was something quite remarkable, I thought. So I enjoyed that being my first game of 2024. Yeah, I'm going to say, mate, being an emotional man, I can only imagine like how that's fitted in with your narrative of life. Um, that's that's the perfect way. You're going from that to to travelling up to Liverpool to watch your black and white team try and take on its own David and Goliath yeah. uh, affair. I tell you what, mate, as you were talking then, some news broke as well that Trent Alexander-Arnold will miss the Fulham game. He's got an injury that's going to keep him out for a few weeks. Um, so... You never know, mate. No Salah, no Trent. Uh, this could be your week. This could be the best week of football you've ever had. Maybe, maybe. I'm Fulham at, at the bridge at the weekend. We can yes. but dream. Some people are listening it. to this just after Fulham have beaten four, been beaten 4-0 at Anfield and just going, oh, poor Jack. Poor Jack. <laughs> he, he had all of that hope and it's about all to that be absolutely two disintegrated days ago. <laughs> by Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool at Anfield. Alas, here we are. Here we are. Right, that's it for part one. After the break, we're going to be talking about Kylian Mbappe, the man of the moment in this January transfer window. And Dean's going to be looking at some possible destinations for him this summer. Don't go anywhere. 
Welcome back to Ranks FC, where it's time to talk Kylian Mbappe, Dean. He has been very much the talking point of this window. Obviously, at the moment, his current PSG contract expires in six months. He does have an option to extend that by a further year. Interestingly, he has the option, as opposed to the club, to extend that contract, which is... Kylian's world, mate. It is Killian's world. We're all just living in it. But you've gone slightly different. This isn't a one to five ranking. It's it's something. Well, you've changed. You've changed the format a little bit. I have, yeah. Because one to five sometimes just doesn't work. To be honest, especially in this instance where nine out of ten people can probably guess what the number one's going to be. So I've I've I've. Uh, decided to shake it up a little bit and give us some little different uh, subheadings as we go through it. But yeah, as you say, Mbappe has six months left on his PSG contract, which means he's allowed to start speaking to other clubs as he prepares for a potential free transfer in the summer. There were reports at the weekend that said he's already agreed to join Real Madrid 18 months after he rejected them. Uh, But since then, Mbappe's camp have come out, they've refuted that, and they say, nope, no decision has been made, actually. Uh, Mbappe says the same thing. He said moment we've just got titles to go after I haven't made up my mind I haven't made a choice um you know focusing on my challenges here remains the most important thing and anything else is secondary uh let's remember that uh, Mbappe resigned with PSG uh in 2022 and he will be taking a significant pay cut if he joins any other European club from this moment onwards he would also be foregoing a £69 million ish bonus award uh, that he would get if he stays at PSG. Um, so he won't be able to get that if he does exit. So I've looked at a few different scenarios that could open up for Killian to consider, and we'll break them all down and we'll see what we fancy most, Jack, because. It's, it's a fun conversation, you know, it we don't indeed. often do, yeah, we don't often do episodes around one person, but this isn't just any person. This is a player that's got the potential to be the next guy that comes after um, Messi and Ronaldo. So let's see. The narrative FC. This is my first subheading. The dream scenario for somebody like you. What would somebody like Jack like to see happen here for Kylian Mbappe? And I was like, oh, what would be like a really romantic tale? Doesn't have to be very um, Monaco. Likely. Let's go to Monaco. <laughs> <laughs> Monaco, back to Monaco. Do you know what? It's not far off, mate. AC Milan. AC Milan, Kylian Mbappe. He supported him growing up. There's loads of pictures out there of a young Kylian Mbappe wearing the red and black stripes. And I was like, oh, that, imagine that. Like, we literally do have to imagine this one because this one's not going to happen. But... In Straight order for it to happen, Rafa Leal. No, I thought that at first. That was, I was like, oh, yeah, like they could do a swap. And I thought, no, you can't do that. I want Leal and Mbappe up top together. That's the dream for AC Milan. And they play the same way and the same role. <laughs> could you imagine it, though? It'd be so funny, both running for the same ball every time they're fighting each other to get it. Um, the only way it could really happen, I think, is if you were to just like sell Mbappe the club. He'd have to like buy it outright and be like player owner. I think that's the only way you could see something like that opening up. It's it's not feasible that AC Milan ever could afford to buy Kylian Mbappe. So he'll have to buy them, um, which don't think he'll go. I don't think he'll go for that, mate. Um, but from a narrative FC stance, this was the best I could really come up with beyond even more unlikely return to Monaco right now. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair enough. It's uh, <laughs> is an interesting. One. I mean, I do think that maybe a swap for Liao. Is interesting. I I don't think it is going to happen, as you say. 
but there is a lot <laughs> going on. If they could do that, <laughs> um, it would be it would probably be a bit more. But I think that it would be lovely. But I don't think it's going to happen. So I think we can move on from that one quite nicely. But well, there is something there is something nice on it. There's something lovely about it, mate. And the reason I've put that first is because it's followed up by my fear. This is what I would dress up as my worst case scenario. So the fear is that in the coming months, Kylian Mbappe signs a new deal at PSG. Now, that on its own isn't the worst case scenario because actually there's something romantic about that as well. Imagine Mbappe, the best player in the world, never leaves PSG and actually fulfills all of his dreams at PSG, he goes and gets the Champions League trophy and then he does it again and again. And they grow and grow with Kylian Mbappe at the centre of it all. This is a guy that's clearly got a big ego, big ambitions. And I think he'd get more satisfaction out of winning the Champions League with PSG than he would anywhere else. So that on its own, I don't mind. The problem comes in the sense that If Mbappe does sign a new deal at PSG, which isn't beyond reality based on what we've seen in the past, it will only be a matter of time before he's complaining again about it. Mm. And then you get another year, another two years, before eventually you're once again contemplating that Kylian Mbappe wants to leave PSG and is having to think about where he goes next. And by the time we get to this next time around we're not going to be looking at the same clubs because I think if Real Madrid, for example, were led down the garden path to thinking they could get him and then this time around again, he ends up signing with PSG. Well, he's 25 now. Yeah. Two years time, he's 27. Obviously, it's still fine. It's Kylian Mbappe, but Madrid have probably moved on from it. Whoever else has moved on from it. And it doesn't need to happen. And my fear, here is the ultimate fear, is that that's the moment he starts chasing money. That is the moment and when he switches from becoming known as the best footballer uh, in the world in history to the richest footballer in the world in history. And I don't want to see him going down that path because my fear is that we will be deprived from seeing Kylian Mbappe hit the very heights of the game. That is what my concern is around Mbappe signing a new contract at PSG. And look, this really is worst case scenario. I'm, I Genuinely, this isn't a dig at PSG because there is that um, nice side to the story if he could end up winning the Champions League. Yeah, game. I was going to bring it up. So we'll come back to that. I just don't think they can keep him happy. And I think that's already been proven that PSG can't keep this guy happy. And he's always going to be wondering what could have been, what could be. And it eventually will tarnish the way he is perceived in this game. So he says at the moment that the the pathway to Saudi Arabia is not one that he wants to consider. But if he did stay at PSG, then I think the next time this all comes around, he's going to be well out of reach of everyone else in football and uh, a move to Saudi or whoever is the Saudi of that moment is what he'll end up doing. So back in 2022, when Mbappe decided to extend his contract at PSG, Francesco Totti, who is the ultimate one club man, right? 
spoke about it and he said, I would have made the same decision, I tell you the truth. Now, Mbappe is clearly not going to be a one-club man because he already isn't. He's already played for two clubs. But I tweeted at the time, and this is word for word, I said, obviously the exorbitant amounts of money involved make this murky, but a lot of people are conveniently ignoring a narrative as well. A young superstar turning down the world's most prestigious club in world football to remain at his hometown club should be recognised as something, I think. I said, obviously Mbappe is never going to be a one-club man, but to completely ignore the draw of home and the allure of trying to take the club from where you grew up to their first European Cup would be disingenuous from where I'm standing. So obviously there's all of this stuff and around him owning, there was all this stuff about him owning the club, about him making all the sporting decisions, which ultimately turned out to be not really the case, right? Mm. And I think at the time we spoke about the fact that people were conflating exorbitant amounts of money with complete sporting control, which was a weird narrative that happened, but it happened and that's fine. But there is something about this and I agree with you and I can understand totally that if he doesn't move now, especially to Real Madrid, that isn't going to open up for him again. I think that there is a level where Perez just be like, nah, you're all right. Florentino yeah. has spoken about his desire to do this. He's also not a man that forgives and forgets easily. And I think that there is you know, one chance you could be like, okay, he made a decision. It frustrated us, but it's okay. You know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, right? I, I think that that is where we're at with the Real Madrid move. If it doesn't happen now, I don't think we see Kylian Mbappe at Real Madrid. And look, I'm not suggesting that that's the end of the world. In fact, I have issues with the Real Madrid move because I think that there are problems about to be incurred with how it fits with the system, what it means for Vinicius Jr., etc., etc., etc. But if he wants that move, he has to take it now, I think. I don't think it's going to come around again. So it makes life interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So there you have it. My fear is that he re-signs with PSG and that we have to keep going through this again. Every every, every January window. for Unless he proves us wrong and actually just says, right, this is it. This is my home. I'm staying and we're going to win everything. The next subheading that we would have to consider is the Prem. Could Kylian Mbappe ever do it? Step into the big boys league, come over to the Prem. Come on, son. Come and have a go if you think you're old enough. Um, it's only literally a handful of clubs that could obviously consider signing Kylian Mbappe in the Premier League. And at the moment, even that's probably a stretch. Um, you know, the reason that it moved to Saudi Arabia could open up is because they have as much money as they want. Uh, PSG, With that project starting to, to look a little bit iffy, I do wonder what that looks like in a year's time. Yeah, exactly. So um, money doesn't get you everything. But even Kylian Mbappe on a free transfer is difficult for pretty much everyone to do. Um, if Mbappe comes to the Premier League, there is a sense that he might become the first £1 million a week player, which is outrageous. It's a lot of money. Um, it's outrageous. But Let's consider that on his last deal at PSG, he received a signing-on fee, which I believe was in the region of about £100 million. And he also gets something like a million pound a month. So that's outrageous. And I don't think anyone in the Premier League is going to be giving him a million pounds a week at the moment. Um, I think there would be serious... uh, 
problems around trying to do that. But there are clubs, obviously, that can offer good money and can offer good sporting ambition. And the five clubs that really you outline when you consider the Premier League would be Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Arsenal and Newcastle. They're the five that are primarily in line to even be able to speak about the idea of signing Surely Kylian it seems, Mbappe. it seems weird to not have Chelsea in that conversation. Because yeah, much I, as I mean, they yeah. haven't been, you know, sporting-wise, particularly good over the last two years, they definitely do have money. I guess so. I mean, it's not going to happen. I think, I think that Mbappe to Chelsea has always been one that I've played up, but... I think that the moment has passed for Chelsea, um, especially given that they are consistently 10th in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, you're right. Actually, I'll, I'll throw it a six. We'll go beyond a handful. We'll have a handful and one and we'll throw Chelsea uh, into there as well. Um, but even then, I was trying to think about a, a mini ranking between these clubs themselves and who I would give the best chance of signing Kylian Mbappe. And I came out tied between Liverpool and Man City. And Liverpool is obviously an idea that gets mooted the most. Um, He gets linked with them pretty regularly. Uh, Liverpool play it down pretty consistently. Uh, But when you consider what Liverpool are trying to do as a football club, when you consider the combination of the sporting project and ambition combined with how they want to turn the club even to even more of a global brand than they already are, Mbappe works. What doesn't work, obviously, right now is the figures. Um, right now, you would have Mo Salah as the um, highest paid player, the star of the team, the superstar. But Mo Salah might leave. And if that Saudi Arabia deal did come for Mo Salah in the summer... If they did get a big lump sum for Mo Salah and got his wages off, then that's the only time I think you can realistically think, okay, actually Liverpool can contemplate this moment to bring in Kylian Mbappe because you are replacing one of Liverpool's like lifetime icons. This is one of the yeah. best players they've had in their entire history and it's a proper history as well. And... There's this constant conversation that we see played out about, well, what would you do if Salah leaves? Who would you bring in? Or would you um, reshuffle the players they've already got? Could um, Soboslai play out there? Harvey Elliott play out there? Who could they look like? Killing Mbappe. The answer I would give, but yeah. Who? Takakuba, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Bringing Killing Mbappe into the team, not necessarily to play exactly the same position, but to have the same impact on the team is obviously huge. And I think that, I think he would like that. I think that a a club the size of Liverpool would match where Kylian Mbappe feels that he should be in the footballing ladder. But obviously Man City are right up there too, because not only do they have the financial power to be able to pay him pretty much whatever he wants, when you consider that they're managing to satisfy the likes of Erling Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne at the moment, but they can actually give him everything that he wants from a football perspective too. You know, Liverpool can say, look, we dream of more league titles and more Champions League. Man City can say to him, we will give you 
more Premier League. We'll give you the Premier League because you've never won it. And the Champions League. You'll get it all here. And that probably gives them the edge slightly if you can get Haaland and Mbappe into the same team. Now, I think you probably can. It might just be an ego battle more than anything. I don't know how you think those two measure up in terms of lining up alongside each other, but I think that Liverpool and Man City have an argument over all of those other teams that I listed in terms of actually being able to offer Kylian Mbappe what he needs from a transfer within Europe. Yeah, I get that. I think that's that's completely fair enough. It is one of those really tricky ones in terms of what we're what we're looking at. It has to be financially correct. It also has to be a sporting project that you can imagine he believes in. And that's maybe what lets Chelsea and even Newcastle, I think, down right now in terms of what they can offer. It's immediately challenging at the very, very, very top end to you know challenge for the Champions League, the Premier League title, etc. And that's where, obviously, Liverpool and City have the edge on almost everyone else. I think financially... I think Arsenal, it would be difficult, although we've seen them splash out in recent times. But it does feel like those two are kind of streets ahead. Now, it would completely break Liverpool's model, right? This is not what they've done. It's not what they've they've set out to do with, with various players. And it would be interesting to see how that would be received going from, you know, Salah came into Liverpool. Yes, a, a very, very good player from Roma, but there wasn't a fanfare about him coming in and being the best player in the world straight away. He turned into that and he was pretty much on that level from the moment he arrived at Liverpool, but the expectation wasn't the same, right? Mm. It was about seeing a player that they thought was undervalued and then actually turning him into the superstar that we know and love today. It would be very different with Mbappe. And I think that that's probably the the slight difference in, in edge between Manchester City and Liverpool in that if City did it, you go, yeah, fair enough. That kind of feels on brand. Whereas to Liverpool, it feels maybe slightly different. But I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. I just I think it's just the way that the optics look right now. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, just to round off this segment, really, it's it really is that, you know, Newcastle, obviously huge financial clout, big ambition, um, nowhere near... Um, competitive enough at the top level yet to to get Kylian Mbappe in there. Um, Chelsea, you'd like to think on the back of the money they spent that they were more competitive than a team like Newcastle, but they're not. And Mbappe, he wants a Champions League pretty quick and Chelsea are already a couple of years away from being able to do that. So I would rule them out for now. And Man United, um, what's their chances of winning the Premier League or Champions League in the next couple of seasons? Not not particularly high, I wouldn't have thought. So that rules them out. Arsenal do have Premier League winning potential, but do they have the clout, the financial clout to go and do this? Mm, I don't know. I mean, they've obviously like proved us that they are willing to burst the bank in the sense that they went after Declan Rice and actually paid for him. But... Declan Rice and Kylian Mbappe are in completely different stratospheres when it comes to like the personal terms with um, character, when it comes to all the other little bits that come with a contract. And 
I don't think personally that, that Arsenal will be able to get there. So that's where I will leave that section. So a bit of hope there for Liverpool and Man City. The shock. To stop what is likely to happen, we might need a shock. And the biggest shock would be if he ended up at Barcelona after all this. Yeah. Um, I mean, this would this should probably be narrative FC because this would be a real spanner in the works if after years and years of Real Madrid getting ready to unveil Mbappe, basically, he ends up at the new Spotify camp, new... It's Beckham it in reverse, isn't it? Beckham in reverse. Oh, mate. Like, if he... They open a new stadium and Mbappe's there. That's a special moment. Barcelona needs something special. There's no doubt about that. But obviously we have to address the fact that they don't have any money at the moment and that like making something like this happen seems to be beyond their grasp. There was a story recently that said Barcelona um, are offering PSG the chance to sign Gavi as part of a stunning swap deal for Kylian Mbappe. It's literally going to take something as outrageous as that, I think, to make anything like this achievable. And I don't know I'm even okay with that happening. Um, Let's be honest, Barcelona will be happy for him to end up anywhere but Real Madrid. Like, get out of luck. Do not come to La Liga if you're not coming here is probably their stance right now. And, you know, if I was Barcelona, I'd even maybe I'd if they have got a couple of million, Lend it to one of the Premier League teams so they could pay a month of his wages uh, just to keep him out of the clutches of Real Madrid. But Barcelona, the problem they've got on top of the finances is they haven't even got that La Liga promise at the moment that they're going to deliver titles for him. Obviously, you bring Mbappe into this current setup and your chances of doing that are enhanced. But at the moment... They do feel like they are in the shadow of Real Madrid. And why would Mbappe choose to go and play in the shadows of Real Madrid when he could be at Real Madrid? Well, would he be if he was at Barcelona? The question then becomes, could Kylian Mbappe inspire this Barcelona side to the greatness which they're aspiring back to? I've said this before. I think there's a more natural place at Barcelona for Kylian Mbappe than there is at Real Madrid in the way that the the, the team's set up Mm. tactically and the way that they look to play. I actually think that it would probably make more sense with the the way the two teams play and with the personnel that's in there. There is a massive spot. We've talked about the fact that Mbappe has said he doesn't want to play as the out-and-out nine on his own. That's not the role he wants. And currently, as we say, that's the player that Real Madrid are looking for, is that number nine who can spearhead this attack. They have two incredibly talented young Brazilians on either flank in in Rodrigo and and Vinicius Jr. Does that attack look different if Mbappe comes in? Does it work to play Mbappe through the middle of those two? I think the answer is probably no. Mm. But... You know, whether that's something that Real Madrid looked to explore with maybe, a, you know, uh, Vinicius going the other way, Vinicius looking elsewhere, fine. But they also brought a player in and are turning him into a superstar. They've given him the number seven shirt. They've made him the, 
the player that seems to be the the eye-catching one. Yes, Jude Bellingham has come in and, and taken the headlines from himself. But you actually look at how Real Madrid had built around Vinicius and, and Rodrigo up to this point. The player that Real Madrid seemed to be crying out for is, is an actual out-and-out number nine. In fact, Erling Haaland would be a much better signing for Real Madrid than Kylian Mbappe in terms of how they play now. Look, Ancelotti is a genius. He will find a way. I'm not worried about them finding a space for a player of Kylian Mbappe's talent at Real Madrid. But it is worth considering that I think naturally the easier fit right now is Barcelona. It's very interesting indeed, yeah. The likely outcome, the final subheading, is of course that he does sign for Real Madrid. I think he will sign for Real Madrid. I think most people would be surprised if he didn't sign for Real Madrid. They've spent years planning this transfer. They thought they already had it in the bag um, 18 months or so ago. Florentino Perez wants him, man. Like, wants him. And I don't think he could take much more hurt over this one. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, mean, I I just feel like he's he's like he's done in football if Mbappe doesn't come and join Real Madrid. He's even like he's opened up the space in the squad. Like Benzema's gone, and he wants Mbappe. And in terms of like what Mbappe is going to want for this next phase of his career, he's twenty five now. Between twenty five and thirty, Mbappe needs Champions League and he needs Ballon d'Ors. Those things will go hand in hand at Real Madrid. That's how they sell it to him. They are the biggest, most glamorous, most prestigious prestigious club in the world. They guarantee you trophies. They've got a new superstar that they're bringing through themselves now in Jude Bellingham. They have got an amazing new stadium. I know Barcelona are going to have that too, but Real Madrid, like you look at that stadium at the moment, you're like, this is... uh, It's a cathedral. It is, man. Like, it's just so special when you look at that place. Like, I'm really, like, I keep saying to myself, I need to find a way to get to Madrid this season. I need to go. Because even sometimes just like you're watching the build up to Madrid game now and the camera pans out and you look around the stadium as it's filling up and you see the players and they're white and everybody's getting ready for match day. It kind of gives you goosebumps. And if that's just us who are dreaming one day that we can sit in the top tier and watch them from like a thousand meters away. Imagine what it is to dream of getting on that pitch and getting all of those fans off their feet to win La Liga's, to win the Champions League, to win yourself a Ballon d'Or, to follow in the footsteps of all those great players. The only thing, as you say, that doesn't quite fit is the role in the team because where does he fit with Vinicius and Rodrigo and Bellingham? And what does happen with that plan that Real Madrid have always seemed to have to sign Erling Haaland? There's also just this small this small issue that I have whereby Real Madrid are irresistible. Most people literally are like, oh my God, yeah, I've got to go. I've got to go. And Mbappe hasn't done that, as tempted as he's been. And from a Real Madrid perspective... They're not used to seeming desperate. And, no, they're not. And it comes, they normally get be- what they want. Yeah. And Perez might have to get a little bit beggy soon. <laughs> and I just like, I'm not sure he's going to be okay with that beyond a certain point. 
Um, this is a player whereby you are suddenly meeting their demands. They're not thinking, oh, what have I got to do to meet Real Madrid's demands? Real Madrid are literally having to cater to this 25-year-old French lad. Again, not something that they've typically been okay with doing in the past, but that's how special he is. This is, for me, the the move that makes the most sense. Um, this is the club that fits with his ego and his arrogance and his brilliance and his goal-scoring prowess and the level that he wants to one day get to. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the one that stands out for a reason, right? It's the one that's continually linked for a reason. All of these things are happening because... It is the most likely destination for Kylian Mbappe. And it has been one that's been flirted around for so long. My slight issue, aside from what I talked about with the Barcelona actually feeling like a better fit on pitch right now, is that the last time Real Madrid spent ages flirting with a player and waiting for it to happen and eventually getting them over the line for an exorbitant fee was Eden Hazard. Now, obviously, there are different issues in terms of injuries, etc. But there is an element of, ooh, when it becomes this, you know, over and over and over and over again, so it almost feels inevitable. Yeah. There is an added pressure that, I mean, I don't think Kylian Mbappe is going to struggle with because he's Kylian Mbappe. He's a man who's stepped up on World Cup final stages. He has stepped up in the biggest moments. But there is that kind of element of, ooh, when things feel this inevitable, sometimes they don't quite go to plan. And yeah, I suppose it's something he might consider. Yeah, look, for for attacking players, it doesn't always work out. Like Hazard's not alone in that sense. I mean, look, Gareth Bale, what he actually achieved at Real Madrid is ridiculous. Yet somehow left as a player that many fans didn't particularly like. So I don't know how you actually gauge I think it's a success when you look back at what Gareth Bale actually achieved and the goals that he got. But still, he was a hugely expensive um, Galactico signing for Real Madrid. You look at somebody like James Rodriguez, um, a transfer that at the time I really couldn't see going wrong and just didn't live up to what you want it to be. But then, of you know, you're also considering you know other names that have gone in there. Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously Zinedine Zidane. Um, they've had Kaka, they've had Luis Figo, like they've, this is like, you're putting yourself into a conversation that is very difficult to become a part of. And for Kylian Mbappe, you're surely wanting to be mentioned one day and compared to those names and even deeper names, to be honest, you know, R9 Ronaldo, like those sorts of players can, can start to become your comparison too. Maybe. I think there's something maybe a little bit more interesting in that when the Mbappe Holland debates have been thrown around, it's been Mbappe who's been the one compared to Messi. They've played on the same team. There was a lot of talk when he came through that he was the next Thierry Henry was at Barcelona. Yeah. There's names in that list too that I think would appeal to be in the same conversation as. So I'm not 100% sure that's the. Wouldn't it be so much more interesting if if Barcelona weren't skint right now? Wouldn't this be so much more interesting to to see this battle, to see who he would choose? Because you might be right. Like if if it wasn't down to financial power too, I can totally see where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it would be intriguing. But alas, we have to play in the parameters in which we are given. And I'm with you. I think that this is the most likely outcome. Although a shock move to Barcelona 
would make me very happy. <laughs> I think it would just, in terms of putting the cat amongst the pigeons, it would make life a lot more exciting than it is currently in La Liga. So we shall see. But I think you're right in terms of this one feels like the inevitable in, in, in so many ways. So we'll see. But Kylian Mbappe has some decisions to make and, uh, and a lot of places that he could end up. It's going to be very exciting. Right, after the break, we'll be back with some more Guru Wisdom. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to part three of the Ranks FC podcast. Jack Collins here with our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. We've done the chat on Mbappe. Let's get a little bit silly. Over to the boys. Guru wisdom, guru wisdom, guru wisdom. Oh, boys. Oh, boys. Um, wish they were always so sweet. Um, they love that. They love that. Um, we have also got the first episode which i thought we were going to call uh ranks fc juniors but we're not are we you can't come no. with a different name for it i didn't it come up th- with this it's actually one of our patrons that came up with it they've changed the name to the ranks fc academy which is gonna be very interesting yeah the ranks fc academy the first episode is recorded and is going out on patreon imminently mm. jack even has the files sent to him that's how far along in production this is it is it is right let's get into guru wisdom this week what do you got Trendy things I don't think I'll ever get my head around. (laughs) This is fully old man shouts at cloud. Fantastic. I'm really trying not to be old man about this, but there's three things that um, I've noticed recently um, that I just can't understand, mate. The first one, this is an absolute craze, which I just don't get. These Stanley Cups. Right. Okay. I'm so with you. Lucy oh. asked for one of these for Christmas, and I was like, why would I pay £50 for a sippy cup? Is it £50? Well, I think she wanted the big two-litre one. rather. Why? Than... Why the f- Why does she want a two-litre cup? Well, she says it will help her drink the required amount of water per day. Why can't she walk to the tap? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> this I don't is know. what I don't understand. Taylor's got one as well, mate. Lucy's not on her own. I just don't understand why we're living in an age while we're lugging around gallons of gallons of buckets of water with us. Everyone's walking down the road with these huge cups. And I'll tell you why it's actually bothering me, mate. I'm the one who keeps carrying them when we go for days out. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Understand. This is why I didn't get one for Lucy. She didn't get one for Christmas because I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to end up carrying it. The actual like... Carrying, like it is quite cool, I guess, in the sense that the shape of it fits into your car cup holder very snugly. Yep, I get that. It does do that. I understand that. We don't have a car. <laughs> you don't have a car. This is complete. She definitely doesn't need one. Um, good for a, walking around with a handle. Yeah, I mean, my argument might be, do you always need to have a big thing of water with you? I mean... I'm all for hydration, right? Hydration is key. Great for morale. I drink a lot of water. It's my best trait in terms of my health. I drink shed loads of water. But this is nonsense. Mate, I've seen videos of people receiving these cups for Christmas and like crying and joy. It's a water cup. Get over it. It's very strange. I don't get it. I mean, I, I just don't I don't get it. But, yeah, Taylor's a massive fan of it. She loves it, carries it literally everywhere with her. And I dread the day that she puts that thing down somewhere and forgets it. Anyway, number two, Crocs. 
<laughs> no, I've come around a bit on Crocs. I, I wouldn't wear them myself, but I can understand why people wear them. Well, ca- tell me. Well, I just think that they're 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 very much changed from where they originally were within the paradigms of society, right? They've they've <laughs> taken on a new life. They've taken on a new role. And How there are certain people. There are certain people that look really cool in Crocs. I am not one of those people. I, I would look like a moron. But there are certain oh, people mate. who can pull it off, and I do respect those people. That they are very cool people, though. And this is the problem: if you're not uber cool. Yeah. Then you look like an absolute like geek if you're an adult in them. You can Kids, put you put them in racing mode now. You flick the back off. <laughs> <laughs> like I can like Dylan and Reese have got Crocs, and even then nice. I was so against it. I was I was against it, mate. I was like, no, I don't want them having Crocs. Tastes like they're having Crocs. Like they are perfect shoes for children to wear in the summer. I was like, ah, and they got them, and I, they loved them, and they were so easy to put on. And I was like, okay, that is fine for children. Fine. And then I've seen some adult friends wearing them and I'm not as okay with this. I I mean, look, if you're like early 20s and you're cool and you've got a certain look about you, yeah, you can pull them off. Especially with the ones with the little pins in them, they're cool. Yeah. Some people, there'll always be some people that can pull these things off. But the amount of people... The vast majority of people who can't... Society (laughs) that are wearing these things needs to be uh, changed. And I just can't believe that they're standing the test of time, to be honest with you, because I thought this was a little phase that would last one or two years. And if anything, they're becoming more popular. Great marketing. I'll give them loads of props for that. They've done a a really good job in turning around the image of the brand. (laughs) They they really have. I'm definitely beyond the point of return on this one. I will not be getting a pair of Crocs. Uh, and if you but I don't me, really wear, nor do you. I know this for a fact. I don't really wear anything apart from well, low low rise Adidas trainers. <laughs> like we are very set in our ways. In no, the, I guess I wear sliders. Like in summer, like I've yeah, got Adidas some sliders. <laughs> yeah, Adidas sliders. We're, we're, we're just set in our ways, in that our footwear has never changed from that idea of what it was like to wear football on the uh, to wear trainers on the football terraces in the eighties. It's exactly yeah. the same. I wasn't even alive, and that's still my sense of fashion. Yeah. Also, I think it does matter where you live. If you live in California and and wear Crocs, it's probably more acceptable than where I live. In central London. (laughs) (laughs) Walking along the street in the rain in Crocs. No, especially with socks on as well. Um, Number three, you'll definitely... um, You'll 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 like this because you you do this, I'm sure. Um, not that you have one of these specific things, but you'll understand the mentality that comes with it far more than I do. A trendy thing that I don't think I'll ever get my head around, and I've noticed this more than ever in the past few weeks watching TikToks of uh, grown men open Christmas presents, is PS5. The amount of joy a man can get from playing a computer game mm-hmm. baffles me. It baffles I love me because my PlayStation. I. I cannot get into a headspace where I can take that seriously. I, I literally can't. I can have the odd game of FIFA. I could play a bit of Mario Kart. I can do that sorts of things. Literally, I'm like half hour max, like, and I'm done because I need to get back. Like, this isn't real. I've, I've got to go and do something else. Like, I, what, you know, men would be overcome with emotion unwrapping these Christmas presents. It's an amazing present, obviously, if you want a PS5. Like, that, that is an amazing present to get, and I understand that. I just don't understand 
how they have the time to play on it. You do have children. So do so do a lot of people my age that I've seen. I mean, most of these people had children sat around them watching them open it. Um, what do they actually get out of it? What do you get out of playing a computer game? So like, this is a bit genuinely. I've never played crowd. Fortnite. I've never yeah, I mean, played Fortnite. I think maybe there's a difference in terms good? of. I, I don't know. I don't play Fortnite, um, uh. but I do know that my my cousins love. I've played it, you know, a couple of times with my cousins and whatever. It, it's not. It's a pretty simple game in in its design and execution, and you can play with your friends, and that's fine. I think that certain there's different ways of it. I love my PlayStation. I'm I'm very attached to it. It's one of those things. But I am a one single player experience person. When I'm in my play, it's a bit like for me. I like games that take me away from the world. Yes, I play FIFA. Fine. Well, yeah, I've seen that. But mm. more than that, when I'm going to my PlayStation, it's an escape. It's a bit like mm. watching a film, but being okay. in it. So I would probably compare me playing my PlayStation to you watching a film because okay. I tend to evaporate from the world. I'm not here being, I don't really like games that are set in the universe that we exist within because oh, okay. I'm actually using it as a form of escapism. So if I'm like, look, I just need an hour out. Yeah. I can sit and just sod off to you know, yeah. a medieval era or a fantasy world, etc. I use that as a means of just coming away from the world for a little while and having some me time. So I can, but also that's different to people who, you know, use their things for multiplayer. So my cousins, for example, who are, you know, younger than I am, a lot of their social interactions with their friends, because I suppose, and this is maybe a, a societal point as opposed to anything else. And I've got really deep on this, but here's what it is. Um, <laughs> where we used to have friends, because we were at school in localities, I think that's less common than it used to be in terms of where people are. And so a lot of the time, my cousins would be like, I'd be like, why, why don't you just go and see your mates or go around to their house? We used to do that a lot, go around to each other's houses and play together. And they all play online with each other. And he's like, well, they actually live quite far away. So for me to go around to their house is like an hour each way on an evening, which I just mm. don't have the capacity to do. But I do have the capacity to turn on my PlayStation, Xbox, whatever it is and play with them, chatting to them, having a conversation whilst we're doing something similar. So I think it's a social thing, and I think it's a differentiation, especially post-COVID in society. But, mm. yeah, I use my PlayStation for escapism, and I'm very, very fond of it. Very good, very good. Well, there you go. You've helped me, you've helped me understand this trend that I don't think I'm ever going to get my head around personally, but I've got no problem with other people playing computer games. I just... Don't get it. Can't relate. Yeah, I, I, my brain just doesn't go there. I will just be like, well, this is silly. I'm going to go back to real life. Do you think as the boys grow up, that might change? Because, like, I have memories. My, you know, obviously, it was slightly different that my dad didn't grow up with, like, computer games in the way that I did. But I do remember playing against him on, on FIFA and whatever when I was growing up. And especially my uncles and aunts, we used to play quite a lot together and, and kind of knock around yeah. and, and play. Maybe that changes as the boys grow up and they want to play with you. Or I would 100% play with them. I just can't imagine them then them going to bed and me carrying on. Yeah, okay, fair That's enough. what I can't understand. Like, I will 100% embrace it to spend time with them. Like, already, like, I'll, you know, play whatever, whatever games Dylan's uh, into. Like, we'll... I'll definitely have a, a game with him, but there's never a desire for me to just grab his switch after he's fallen asleep and carry on playing. <laughs> Maybe it's just the nearest thing, mate. That would be my first port of call. I can't wait for the kids to go to bed so I can play on their switches. That's the uh, <laughs> that's the ideal. And um, with that, I think it's probably time for us to call this a day. So all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. 
Cheers, mate. Thank you very much to Killian and Bafe for providing the inspiration and basis of this episode. I've been Jack Collins, Nova Farts. This has been Ranks FC. We'll be back on this feed later in the week to rank some of the rumours going around in this January window. It's going to be something that we stick with for the majority of January. So make sure you're tuned in for that one. But until then, take it easy, gang. Peace. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and... The chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. <laughs>